0: Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the practice of responsibility. And this falls under the faith skill of stewardship, which is faithfully caring for what God has entrusted to us. And so today we're going to discuss how responsibility and actually being responsible with the things God has mm-hmm. entrusted to us will help us in the long run to discover who God is. Mm-hmm. Jesus tells a parable of talents where three servants are given various levels of financial responsibility and how they respond to that is very interesting. They respond in different ways. And when the master returns, he discovers that not all of his servants have acted as responsibly mm-hmm. as he had hoped. And mm-hmm. so it becomes quite evident um, very quickly that everyone has varying levels of responsibility yeah. in their lives.
1: Yeah, certainly in that parable, uh, the the person who Jesus kind of exemplifies and lifts up on a pedestal is the one who acts properly, is the one who shows a proper level of initiative. He, he goes a step beyond and actually invests what has been entrusted to him. And it, it reminds me of a, a story from my own childhood. When my siblings and I were growing up, we were like many kids, and we had the, the family pet. And in, like in every family, uh, you get a family pet once you show that you can be responsible as a child, right? Right. Right. When yeah. you are uh, asking and asking and asking, and so your parents say, "Well, once you show that you can care for the pet," so we finally convinced <laughs> my parents that we can take care of this pet. We've we've we can take care of this dog. Don't worry about it. We've got everything. Well, after week after week after week of my parents asking us to come through on that responsibility, that we had ensured them that we could. Um, we arrived home from a, a family trip at one point, and you could just feel the tension because our parents were over it. They were over asking, they were over trying to kind of nudge us towards sure. taking care of the responsibility <laughs> that we had been entrusted with. Unfortunately, because it had been weeks and weeks and weeks that we hadn't cared for the mess that our dog had placed in the backyard, if you get my drift, uh... <laughs> It was a a wonderful mid-fall kind of afternoon with our backyard in the shade. And it had snowed, unfortunately, and then got hot and then really cold again. So I remember very distinctly (laughs) chipping dog mess out of the ice to finally show that I could take the responsibility. But It's this inerrant thing within us that says yeah I can handle responsibility you can place it on me I can do it I can do it but then once we are faced with the actual prospect of responsibility all of a sudden we go well but I had this and that and that and that and it just never ended up happening yeah
0: so similar story for my family we were asking for a dog Uh, for a while, us three siblings. Mm. And so my parents bought us a fish and a guinea pig. (laughs) And uh, it wasn't long before we all realized that we were not responsible (laughs) enough
1: (laughs) for a dog. Uh Uh, Yeah, our fish didn't make it Mm. um, very long. Rest in peace, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it... uh, it It really highlights, I think, one of kind of the ills of our culture. Um, And you've probably heard this term, adulting, right? It's become a term, especially among millennials, that is very popular. And it's not typically used in a positive light, right? It's usually something where people come home or whatever and say, I am tired of adulting today. (laughs) I am exhausted by all the adulting that I've had to do what they're really talking about is the level of responsibility that's been expected of me right now. I'm over it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take care of it. I don't want to be in charge of anything. I want the benefits of being an adult, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be able to make money. I want to be able to have my own home. I want to be able to have children even, but I I'm tired of being in charge. I'm tired of the buck stopping with me and being responsible for all of these things that are, uh, placed upon an adult right
0: yeah and i think what we see um in the difference between adolescence and adulthood as a as a is at home and and has some increased responsibilities right the things uh that they're responsible for belong to mom and dad and so mm-hmm. there's definitely a sense of it belongs to somebody else and so i have this level of responsibility but then you step out mm-hmm. onto your own and, and i think the thought is well now all this stuff is going to be mine and so now it's going to be easier right yeah. because i've 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 got control over this. But instead, what ends up happening is you realize you've just become responsible for stuff that belongs to a whole bunch of other people and actually a whole another level of importance. Mm-hmm. Now I'm responsible for taking care of things that belong to my boss at work. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, this isn't just mom and dad yeah. uh, who love me and care about me, but my boss who's saying, uh, yeah, but I'm expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. And if you don't live up to it, I can actually fire you. You know, <laughs> your parents can't do that, uh, but your boss can. Mm-hmm. And so what is it about uh, responsibility that leads us back to the source, mm-hmm. that leads us to who owns all of this stuff to begin with yeah. and who's actually the one entrusting this to my care? How does that impact um, how we act responsibly yeah. in the Christian life?
1: Yeah, well, this uh, space skill of stewardship is under the the kind of overall umbrella or environment of discovering who God is, right? And so when we talk about our responsibility as Christians, I'm not solely responsible to my boss or my parents or any authority figure other than God himself. If I am properly understanding stewardship, I'm recognizing that all that I have is a gift from God. All the things that have been put into my life are there because God has either directly put them there or allowed them to be put there, maybe even as a test for me. And that that doesn't necessarily mean that those things are good or bad or indifferent, but it means that God has placed them there for me to care for and to use well, that God is the one who has put those things there. And if God is the one who has put those things there, there's this uh, amazing story that Jesus uses in Uh, Matthew chapter 6 where he's talking about take a look at the the lilies in the field or the birds in the air these things that you just kind of assume their existence right they're just flying around or they're just out in the the wild without anybody or anything to care for them directly but they don't worry about what to eat for the birds or what to wear to look beautiful for the lilies so when we talk about the things that God has put over our lives, that God has sown into us, that we're really talking about trust. Can we trust that God is going to care for the things that I actually need? And am I going to use those things well? Am I going to walk in light of what God has has designed for me? All of God's gifts are excellent. Now, we'll talk in a little bit about what excellent looks like, because it's not always the good things that we think of. But God knows and has placed those things there for a specific purpose. And it takes a trusting heart on my behalf to look at the things that God has placed in my life and to to know that God did that for a reason. God wants me to use those in a specific way. Okay,
0: so we have to trust God Mm -hmm. um, that that he's providing, that he's taking care of us, that he is going to be there and be faithful to his word. Mm -hmm. Um, What about the other direction, though? What does it look like for God to trust
1: (laughs) us? (laughs) That's one of the mysteries of being a Christian, I think. the the This idea that God would look at me, frail humanity and go like, yeah, that's who I want. Yeah, That should fill me with overwhelming joy and terror almost at the same <laughs> sure. time, right? Yeah. Because we should be like, wow, God thinks enough of me to want to use me in his program for this world, right? But also oh my goodness, God has a different level of expectation than I can even fathom for myself. God has a different level of understanding of this world than I can even dream of.
0: And we're talking much higher stakes, mm-hmm. too. Like, we're not just talking, did you clean up after your dog in the backyard yeah. kind of thing here. There, there are eternal ramifications to what God is entrusting? Oh us. yeah,
1: certainly. In the Old Testament, we talk about the image of God that mankind is created in the image of God, and there's all kinds of theological debate about whether that's talking about do we have a will, do we have emotion, do we have relationships, all kinds of things. Uh, but one of the most interesting theories I've heard on that talks about in the Old Testament times. They used to have this practice where if you were the ruler of kind of a far-off land, you couldn't stay in that far-off land for all all time. Instead, what you would do is you would have a a massive statue built of yourself, very humbly, of course. (laughs) Um, And you would take that statue and you would set it up in the town square in that far-off land. So that every time a a citizen of that land might get an idea of like, I think I might start doing things my own way, all they had to do was lift their eyes and see that statue and they remember who they belong to. So that statue was very literally an image of the king, ruler, or even the God. And so when God talks about us being built, made in the image of God, it has that same idea that... God is, we know that God's presence rests among us, but God wants a physical representation of himself to be here. God wants people all around the world to be able to lift their eyes and to see responsible Christians. Mm -hmm. People who know the voice of God, who have heard him, who have experienced his blessing, his gifts, and live in a responsible manner, live in a way that takes those gifts very seriously yeah. and uses them in the way that God's intended. I think
0: one of the scariest passages of Scripture comes from Revelation, and Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus that had lost sight of their love, both for mm-hmm. God and for mm-hmm. other people, and the threat that Jesus gives to that church is, if you don't recapture you both your love for me and your love for other people, mm-hmm. I don't need to use you as a representative, yeah. as my representative yeah. in the world anymore. Yeah. I have
1: no, mm-hmm. no more use for you in mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. One of the biggest blessings, I think, in the first chapter of Genesis is really God invites us into creating this world, right? That he creates Adam and then gives Adam a job, gives yeah. him a role to play in this world. Mm-hmm. He invites Adam even to name the animals. So where God started the creative process, he invites mankind, humanity, to be, play a, a real and an active and a meaningful part in that. And I think that's just an amazing picture, yeah. but also comes with a great responsibility that we can forfeit if we fail to live up to our end of the bargain.
0: Yeah, sure. Now, earlier you mentioned the idea that not everything <laughs> that God has entrusted to us is what we might consider to be good. Mm. Uh, what did you mean by that? Can you expand yeah. on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I was recently looking at the story of Joseph in the end of Genesis. And Joseph had amazing blessings in his life, right? He was the youngest son, which isn't the biggest blessing in his time period, but he was the most loved and favored by his father. He had this coat that his father blessed him with. He was loved beyond any of his other brothers, right? Which caused this attitude of jealousy among his brothers. But from that point on in Joseph's life, things did not go well for him right he's beaten sold into slavery thrown into a pit gets put in prison gets wrongfully accused of a a impropriety that he didn't commit Mm -hmm. all of these things and if you imagine joseph in the midst of all of that happening and him looking up at god and saying what did i do (laughs) right (laughs) yeah he must have felt like job in that moment of like what in the world is going on here All I have ever tried to do is be faithful to God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But what we would miss if we stuck with Joseph in that misery, in that pit of despair, is that God wanted to do bigger things through him. And if Joseph had stayed in his life of luxury, in his life where everything was easy, and everybody loved him, and he was highly favored... He would never have accomplished the things that he ended up accomplishing. So I think that God allowed and even put things into Joseph's life that caused this trouble for him so that he could be shaped, molded, mended, and made into a new person so that he would have new experiences and be able to insert himself into new corners of society that he would have had no chance to do otherwise. And at the end of uh, the story of Joseph, at the end of the book of Genesis, his brothers finally uh, come and they're, they're on the other end of the spectrum now and they're trying to plead from Joseph without realizing it that they needed food. And Joseph realized at that moment he had the opportunity either to let the bitterness that was in his heart just become uh, something that just came out caustically towards his brothers yeah. or he had the opportunity to take what God had put sown into his life and sow it out as a blessing in the lives of his brothers, and that's what he ended up doing. And he said, "What you intended for evil, uh-huh. God intended for good."
0: Yeah, and I don't think we we tend to um, bring that illustration, that story up in our minds when we start thinking about faithfully caring for what God has entrusted mm-hmm. to us. But Joseph faithfully cared for his his master, mm-hmm. Potiphar for his time in prison, mm-hmm. uh, for those other prisoners, and, and the way that he faithfully cared for everything God had entrusted to him. What a way to think mm-hmm. about the life of Joseph, yeah. that God entrusted mm-hmm. the prison to him yeah. in that moment. But but by faithfully caring for it, you've mentioned a couple times the idea of God sowing seeds. Mm-hmm. The, these are seeds that are being sown that enable Joseph a whole level of responsibility that never would have been accessible to him
1: yeah. before. Yeah, and I don't. I, I highly doubt that Joseph recognized that seeds were being sown. Yeah. at each of those moments <laughs> may right? not have
0: been the way he would have <laughs>
1: described his uh-huh. life at that time. Yeah, but. exactly. But there were moments throughout Joseph's adult experience where he was being trained and pruned, and weeds were being plucked out, and he was having having to protect his heart from things that might try to infringe yeah. upon what God was trying to do in his life. And so Joseph very much had to care and uh, for the experiences that God was sowing into him so that what would come out on the other side was what God actually intended and yeah. not kind of the, that bitterness that very easily could have come out in his life. I'm reminded of a verse from Hebrews chapter 12. And when we're children... We don't always appreciate the discipline that we receive from our parents, right? Um, But this verse in Hebrews talks about how how no discipline is pleasant for a child who's enduring it. And it really is enduring it, right? (laughs) There's just this sorrowful, mournful, oh, why are my parents so mean kind of attitude about it. But this verse comes around and says, later on, however, it produces a harvest Mm. of righteousness, for those who would allow it to yeah. change who they are. And I think that's where stewardship really comes into play in this discussion, is because we have to allow ourselves and allow those experiences to make us new and to form us into who we're intended to be.
0: Very good. Okay, let's get practical for a minute. Yeah.
1: So we're going to do rapid
0: fire. Okay. I'm going to give you a list of a type of gift, Mm -hmm. and you're going to give us a practical way that we can demonstrate responsibility or care for that gift. All right,
1: you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, material material yeah we might think of this in one of those kind of most frequently understood views of stewardship where like God sows finances or a physical tangible gift into our lives and we use it in a way that honors God maybe it's even returning the tithe to God from what he has given to us yeah okay good physical physical okay okay we might think of our bodies, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so we have to treat it rightly, right? Yeah. That I shouldn't be sowing things into my life that don't grow me in a way that is honoring to God, that I need to be looking at the things that are honoring to God. I need to be thinking about the things that are honoring to God. I need to be eating things that honor God, as strange as that might be to sure. think about. Yeah. Okay. How about the natural realm? Mm. Yeah, we think so much about the the physical world that God has created around us. That yeah. we live in this beautiful area of the country, and it would be so easy for us just to to take it for granted and to discard uh, some of the wonderful things that God has created. But He really wants us to take care of the natural world, the yeah. the our surroundings, even our physical properties that we maybe own or the church that we go to, that we take care of those things in ways that show honor to him and responsibility for the things he's given us.
0: Great. Okay, let's switch gears for a little bit. So uh-huh. those are some more material things. Let's mm-hmm. switch into some uh, more immaterial kind of stuff. Um, how about relationships?
1: Oh, man, yeah. We don't typically think of being good stewards of our relationships or having responsibility even in our relationships, but it's, it's very much... Uh, a necessity, that when we think of maybe a relationship with a spouse, that that means that I'm not becoming a workaholic and and married to my work, but instead that I recognize that I have to invest myself, my energy, my finances, my time in my relationship with my wife or my children, that I'm physically not present with them, but not even just physically present. I am present with them, right? Yeah, that yeah. they know that they are known, that mm-hmm. they see that I have seen them and heard them and laughed with them and experienced life with them.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, how about our emotional and mental health? Mm,
1: man, yeah, this is a, a an especially pertinent topic in our world today. And we've seen so many uh, times where tragedies have happened because yeah. people were not careful to be responsible with their uh, with their mental health, with their emotional well-being. And I, I really think that we, we shortchange ourselves if we just bypass what's going on in our heads and we, we don't care for the, the things that are going deep down inside of us. And so we have to take time and be reflective and look inward yeah. and see what God is wanting to do and what he is speaking to us uh, on those levels too. Yeah. How about our spiritual lives? Yeah. God has certainly entrusted us with that, right? (laughs) Yes. That he has sown a spiritual seed within each of us that we should have eyes to see and experience things on a different plane than the rest of the world. If I, as a spiritual being, only allow myself to take in and interact with the material and the physical world, I've missed a whole sphere of what God wants to sow into my life.
0: Yeah. And how does this all come together into, uh, uh, like, the totality of our lives, whole yeah. person, whole life yeah. experience?
1: Yeah, well, I, I, I certainly can't take any one of those areas and say if I have that covered, I have everything covered, right? Yeah. That my life is the totality of all of those things. That my life and my experience with God and my responsibility towards what God has entrusted to me encompasses all of those things, that God has given me relationships and emotions and mental health and physical, tangible kinds of things in a natural world to enjoy and experience in amazing ways. And if I neglect any one of those moments, I'm not exp- expressing the responsibility that he has really uh, desired for me to take care of.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Brooks, for talking with us about responsibility and uh, we don't want to unduly scare any of you. And yet at the same time, responsibility is a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it means, as you referenced earlier, that God's trusting us with, with this stuff, with this life, with these uh, material possessions, mm-hmm. with, the, with the souls of our, our neighbors and mm-hmm. our friends and our loved ones. And, and so it's a real reality that in the end we will stand before God yeah and will be faced with the question what did you do with what i gave to you and we have the real possibility of of standing before our creator god who made everything and hearing the words from him well done my good and faithful servant and that's what we want is not to scare you into submission, but to encourage you with the the promise that the creator of everything may look at you one day and say, yeah, you did it. You did a great job. So I hope this is an encouragement for you that you take away some practical application Mm -hmm. for how you can start to be responsible and faithfully care for the things that God has entrusted to your care. Thank you all. We'll see you again next time.